Let's take a minute and thank our sponsors for helping grow this podcast to bigger and better every episode. Our first one is SR3 Rescue Concepts because you don't know what you don't know. Our next one is Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. And Flipping Coffee, brewing real coffee with real ingredients for real coffee drinkers. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, standardization, and safety checks. Or maybe just an annual FAA refresher is what you need. They're ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is amazing. With certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew members that are offering training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, and ground operations. SR3 has partnered with Petzl to assist with a personal protective equipment inspection course and the highly specific Lazard, which is used for helicopter cliff and mountain rescue. And to add into it, they also teach ground tactical emergency care. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Again, sr3rescueconcepts.com or follow them on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. That's sr3 underscore rescue. Then we have Life Saving Systems Corporation. Manufactures the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From their Triton harness, which is my favorite harness being a rescueman, to the rescue basket, litters, and of course the most popular hoist hook in helicopters, yes, the D-Lock. The team at LSC cuts, bends, sews, wells, and machines these products into existence every day and sends them on their way to us. We do our work so that you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out at lifesavingsystems.com. That's lifesavingsystems.com. And follow them over on Instagram, at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. That's at Rescue Gear. Next is Breeze Eastern. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and unique mission requirements has changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, operators, and those rescued has not. Contact Breeze Eastern today by visiting at breeze-eastern.com. That's breeze-eastern.com. And the last one is Flippin' Coffee. At Flippin' Coffee, we roast each batch to perfection to bring that smooth, delicious cup of coffee that you won't find in most other brands. We like to keep it simple. Brewing real coffee using real ingredients for real coffee drinkers. Contact them today at flippincoffee.com. That's F-L-I-P-P-I-N coffee.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at flippincoffee. That's at F-L-I-P-P-I-N coffee. As a bonus, Flippin' Coffee is given a promotion. If you punch in promotion code, all capitals, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q, you get 10% off. That's promo code REALRESCUE, capitals, all capitals, 
R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q, and you get 10%. If you're just going to send everybody an email, just make sure you tell them one thing. Quinny sent me here. And thank you to all of our sponsors. Our next guest comes to us from Florida at his beach house. God bless him. Well done, sir. And it is Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 368. The guy gave me some uh, great laughs, some a great story, lessons learned. I loved every bit of our conversation. It was it was amazing, and I'm so happy that he came on to join us with the podcast. So please welcome Mr. Mario Vitone. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the podcast today. Uh, so welcome to The Real Rescue Podcast. U.S. Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 368, Mr. Mario Batone. What's up, Mario? What's going on? You don't have any gentlemen listening to this podcast. <laughs> I might have one or two. My dad okay. does. Does that count? Okay, there's one. All right. Well, there's at least one. <laughs> and, and I think my wife listens on occasion. So uh, well, she's, she's the lady. She's the lady. Yeah. Uh, you know these guys, gentlemen. No, well, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, Mario, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. So you bet, man. You bet. Um, so let's let's get right kind of right into it, man. So give everybody a little history about you, who you are, where you come from, how you got into the Coast Guard, so on and so forth. Actually, you were prior service even before that. So take me back, childhood on, because I love stories. I am an old ex has been rescue swimmer from the Coast Guard. I did it for. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was in the Coast Guard from like 1991. I retired in 2013. Uh, before that, I was in, I was first, I was in the Navy. And then I got out of the Navy uh, because they wouldn't let me be a rescue swimmer. Cause oh, I thought, I thought oh, it looked cool. Was it cool? And the, and the Coast Guard didn't want to let me in because they wanted me to be a, a, what I did in the Navy it was a radar technician. So I didn't want to do that. Anyway, I finally get in the Coast Guard and I uh, had the greatest job in the world uh, for a while. And then towards the end of my career, I um, uh, realized I was like 40 something hanging from a cable. And I, there's gotta be a better way to make money. And <laughs> I, I went and <laughs> I went, it's a good case too. I was, anyway, it's another story, but I decided to become a warrant officer on the helicopter cable during a rescue. I was like, oh, there's gotta be a better way to make money than this. And I went and, uh, I did marine inspection and accident investigation work, which I, I wanted to do uh, for a long time. A mentor, uh, another uh, great guy you got to talk to, Mike Odom, you know, talked me into it. Or And um, so uh, I did four years of that. And then I was going to probably stay in longer. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I saw behind the curtain a little bit and it was like, okay, it's time for me to go. Yeah. Uh, and you know, my boss says, what are you going to do? And I, we were in the Norfolk federal building and I look outside the window and all these cars are driving over the bridge. I go, whatever they're doing, something else. <laughs> it's not the only job in the world. I'm going to go yeah. do something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now, uh, I have successfully landed. And what I was going to do was write. I was just going to sit on my boat and write. Nice. 
of books. I had a book deal with McGraw Hill and I'd been writing for magazines and it, you know, I was going to have my retirement and, you know, make some side money writing. And that was going to be my plan. And then, uh, I got a call from, uh, the founder of life saving systems and, uh, Sam Manis, and I didn't know him. I just knew his name. We all knew his name back then. Right. Uh, I started Life Saving Systems. And uh, he called me up and, you know, it's a, it's a longer story, but he just, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And I, I drove over and met him here in Apollo Beach and we spent the day together. And then next thing I know, I'm the GM of LSC. So Beautiful. Been Beautiful. doing it for five years. So it's a great job. Like you get to be in helicopters, but I don't have to hang from the cable anymore. So. <laughs> Which is right? funny because I can't get enough of that. Like I was on a helicopter yeah. like three weeks You're ago. You're in better shape than me, Jay. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I yeah. see your post. You're in the pool. You're in the gym. I mean, come on, man. It, yeah. yeah. Better shape. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's a, uh, it's like, I can do this thing. Like I can do, I, I know I can pass a PT test. I can nice. do a small PT. Test. I know I can pass it. I'll need nice. the day off the next day. <laughs> I'll be home, I'll be home yeah. on a couch the next day, but I can pass it. Yeah. Yeah. That's not authorized. So just say, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So what, uh, when you came to the Coast Guard, you, you said you wanted to be a swimmer. So what, what drew you to a being a swimmer and B search and rescue in general? Yeah, I used to tell the bad joke that I liked helicopters and I liked the water, and it was only it was the only way to mix the two without uh, uh, without uh, water landings. And I went, ah, it's stupid. I, I, I all right, I'm I laughing. Did, so it's a good joke I, to me. I, <laughs> I don't care if anybody else that's listening doesn't laugh. I'm laughing. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, it's uh. And I, I remember seeing the guys on, on a carrier, you know, the, the Navy had rescue swimmers, you know, back and I was in, a, you know, on an aircraft carrier in 83, 84, 85. And I mean, I want to do that. And I had done, they had spent too much money on my radar training. I was one of 13 or 14 guys that had a, this maintenance code for E2 Hawkeye radar uh, uh, component yeah. level maintenance. And I maintained radar, this radar set. And when I, and I said, I want to be a rescue swimmer. Like, nah, we can't do it, man. You got too much, uh, we got too much in your, you're not one of the rates that goes rescue swimmer. And, and I went, well, I'm going to get out then. And they're like, okay, get out. <laughs> okay. So I got out. And then I go to the Coast Guard. Hey, I want to join the Coast Guard and be a rescue swimmer. The guy's rolling his eyes like everybody else. I'm like, you know, and, and, and he, he saw my, my DD-214 from the Navy. It's yep. the, document they give you when you get out and it had my training code on it and he saw it and he goes you're a radar tech for e2s i'm like yeah we have e2 hawkeyes we need that like i'm told to look for that <clears throat> you don't have to go to boot camp we'll just send you up there to get uniforms and you'll be an e5 you just you just come on in wow and i went i want to be a rescue swimmer <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to do that not, anymore <laughs> bm1 fred of bm1 fred urquhart remember the guy's name and he would not let me in he's like i can't do it i cannot send you up there with that nec code that that code on your paperwork and not put you in that program wow and he really and he was like i guess i can't go in because i'm not, i don't want to go fix and it was in saint augustine and i was living in jacksonville it's like right there man <clears throat> Still and, throw. <laughs> and i wouldn't do it and then uh I'm reading the paper like, I don't know, a month, two months later. And 
the Coast Guard had a loss. He crashed an E2. No one made it. And they ditched the program. And I go, can I come in now? And he's like, yeah, got to go to boot camp. I'm like, bring it. And nice. so I went, I went to boot camp and, you know, I'm again, doing push-ups, getting yelled at. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> and then I almost, I almost directed the recruit brand, band at Cape May because they wanted me to do that when I got to Cape May. <laughs> and, and, and come on, man, they're part of service. You can do it. <laughs> That was going to happen. And I'm like, I don't want to direct. I'll be directing Semper Paratus for the rest of my natural life. I don't want to do that. <clears throat> and so I ran away to the Point Franklin and did some sea time. And then uh, and then I almost became a bosun mate because that looked because my boss was a cool bosun mate and they're out there. And uh, and, um, uh, you know, the guy was really cool. and He really liked this job. So you kind of want to be that guy. And then and then my orders to school came and I went, oh, I'm doing this. And I went. You know, I was really stoked. <clears throat> and I went to A school. It's funny. In the, I turned 18 in Navy boot camp. I'm doing push ups, getting yelled at on my birthday. I turned 28 at Rescue Swimmer School. Like in getting Pensacola. Doing push ups. In Pensacola, they call me Pops, right? And I'm doing push ups, getting yelled at. I'm like, I'm making no progress in my life at all. <laughs> Still pushing the concrete and getting yelled at. <laughs> uh, Anyway, did a tour at Elizabeth City, uh, got out on a hardship actually, came back in um, to, to Air Station New Orleans, did a tour there, did another tour at Elizabeth City, and then uh, 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 went to uh, the A school and then made Warren out of the A school and did my last hitch at Sector Hampton Roads, looking at boats and doing accident investigation. Man, what a great career. That's fun stuff, man. I had a, I had a good time. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, it was, it's one of those absurd. I always am terribly uncomfortable with the, like even the discount at Lowe's. I'm like, I really had fun for money. I don't know why people right. would give me a deal. <laughs> right. You know, it's, I just right? don't feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. I just don't feel like it's this. And I know people get really mad at me. Guys in the rate get really mad. Oh, we do. I'm like, I know, I know we're awesome, but, I never left a helicopter, never once, thinking someone might take a shot at me. Like, right. like no one was actively, it was dangerous, but no one was actively trying to kill me. And I just have a hard time sitting next to those guys and thinking that we're the same. I, 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 yeah, we are. I get it. And I, I'm not trying to discount that any of that. Agreed. But yeah. Personally, for me, I'm like, I had a blast and they paid me for it. I'm yeah. all right. I'm good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I uh, yeah, I can't agree with you more. And like, I I love what I do. Nobody's shooting at me, you know. And right. I I and I'm like you. I've got pararescue friends. I've got Navy SEAL friends. You know, the guys that are, yeah, some special forces. Like, oh, oh yeah, you were dodging bullets. Yeah, I, I never had to do that. I was just it's like when the guys, it's like when they, they interview you about the school or how's the school? So is it, is it like Navy SEAL training? I'm like, not even a little close. Not a, don't even go, not even a, no, we get to go to bed at night in school. True. All right. True. Yeah. <laughs> now, get, I, I will say that, you know, it was difficult. I, I had a hard no, time. No, All hardest right, thing so, I ever did. Hardest okay. thing I ever did. Me don't too. get me wrong. Oh, no, no. crying. Like, wait. <laughs> 
that first week after you getting killed and we're going to breakfast and an old guy got out of his car next to my class. We were going for breakfast at one of those places in the city. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy gets out trailing an oxygen tank and beats us to the door. You fellas <laughs> all right? You know, we were trashed. <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. Bud's trashed. I don't, I just, you know, we got to go to sleep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, I, I loved it as well. My whole time in, I had a blast. And, and it's why I still do it. And this is why I still talk about it because, man, I just, I get all jonesed up every time I get going, flying, it's talking. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah. But it's a Yeah. So, so now your first case, like you become a rescue swimmer, you're qualified, standard duty. Yep. <clears throat> What's the first thing you get launched out on? First case, there was a, uh, a, a sailboat that ran aground in Crisfield, Maryland, which is up in the Chesapeake Bay. And, and Crisfield had this long rock wall before the marina. And this sailboat had just done a header right into it, hold itself and sank. Oh. That's the case. So there's no search. We just fly. It's middle of the day, lovely weather. Beautiful. There's a boat. There's a, there's a small boat standing by. But they nice. don't have a summer. And, uh, and Dave Gunnerson's the pilot. Dave Gunderson had like all the flight hours in the 60. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's like, Dave's like, every now and then he lets someone else fly the 60 because he had all the hours. One what a nice guy. guy. Yeah, one of those guys. He just like, the, the, he could make it, you know, dance. Anyway, and he's like, uh, hey, Mario, why don't you go down there and, uh, you know, check for signs of life? The thing's like sunk. It's on the bottom with the mast sticking out. And he's <laughs> Why don't you go down there and you know, check for signs of life? I'm like, like fish? Like, what do you want? <laughs> so I, I go down and I'm swimming. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, all right. So I'll go look in the cockpit of the, you know, the back end of the sailboat. Maybe the guy was tied in and passed out and he's still tied to the boat. But I'm on a body search because no one's alive in it. It's underwater. You know, there's no tapping on the hull. I mean, the thing, the thing is a wash and sunk. It's just yeah. full of water. Okay. And then he goes, and I get on the radio, nothing back here. So he goes, well, go check up on the front. Isn't there a hole in the boat? And there's a hole in the boat. And so now it's like that scene from Jaws where I swim up and there's this big gaping hole on the boat. <laughs> and the small boat guys are watching and I got to reach up inside the boat and feel around. And this is like where the V-birth is. So I'm in there feeling in the boat for, I don't know what, and all on, and everything felt like a body, <laughs> the pillow, you know, everything. Like, so, oh, 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 what was that? What was that? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if yeah, I should have touched I'm that. Not, I am not putting on a brave face, but I'm up here, <laughs> you know, so I'm, what am I doing down here? Why, you know, clearly, I'm like, clearly the guy fell off, which is, oh. and he auto-piloted into the, the wall. Like, it's the first thing I thought. Yeah. He set his GPS for Chris Field, his autopilot for Chris Field. The boat made it. He didn't. He fell off. <laughs> right. And, um, and that's what happened, I suppose. You know, we never found the guy. That was my first case. I'm down there looking for a body on a boat. And I'm like, How, this is not what I, this is not the job. <laughs> Clear blue skies, no waves, just a boat. No waves. <laughs> no, there's a boat over there. There's a guy standing on the beach watching me. I'm like, what is this? Uh, I could have walked out and done this job with a, with a police diver. But, Oh my gosh. Well, that's a good way to start the, uh, the whole process and the whole, the whole career. Right. Yeah, that was pretty good. I didn't watch the deployment, you know? Oh gosh. That's awesome. Dude. Well done. 
That's funny. <laughs> that is funny. All right. So now with that, let me get into a big one that you have, which I just so have have up in front of me. And uh, what I'd like to do, Mario, is I'd like to read this. And then um, I would love for you to take me back kind of the beginning or, you know, what hey, happened? Cause this is, this is pretty awesome. You're going to read the write up and I'll tell you the truth. That, that's, that's good too. I appreciate that okay. too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Citation to accompany the award of the distinguished flying cross to ASM three Mario M. Vitone, United States Coast Guard. Petty officer Vitone is cited for extraordinary hero heroism while participating on aerial flight on 17 November 1994 while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard H-860J helicopter 6034. The air crew was engaged in the rescue of a family of four from a sailing vessel Marine Flower 2 that was being thrashed by Hurricane Gordon 400 miles off the coast of North Carolina. Once on scene, Petty Officer Vitone selflessly volunteered to be hoisted into the raging seas. He then began the monumental task of swimming to the wildly pitching sailboat. After an exhaustive effort, he was unable to successfully close the gap and had to be hoisted back aboard the helicopter. While attaching himself to the rescue sling, the mountain of water dropped out from under him, causing him to swing wildly. As he dangled beneath the helicopter, he plunged face first into the advancing wave. After Petty Officer Vitone was safely recovered, enthusiastic, thumbs up, clearly illustrated that he was all right and anxious to complete the rescue. On the second attempt, as the mother and her four-month-old infant positioned herself on the stern of the sailboat, a huge wave washed them overboard. Petty Officer Vitone instantly lunged towards them, grasping the mother and baby. He then wrestled with the seas, survivors, and rescue basket. While the mother clinched hysterically to one arm, he held the infant and the other. After the heroic effort, he was able to get them into the basket unharmed, safely hoisted into the helicopter. He was again recovered and redeployed into the ocean to rescue the father and 13-year-old daughter. Petty Officer Vatone's action, skills, and valor were instrumental in the rescue of four persons. His courage, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Dude. First of all, no one's ever read that that enthusiastically. Okay. Well, I mean, come on. 400 miles offshore. It was out there. A four-month-old baby getting washed over. I mean, like this is this is the this is the case that everybody hears about in a school when you're going through swimmer school and you're like, I want to be a swimmer because of that. Yeah, and it, the interesting thing, the the, the really there's a couple interesting things about the case before it even got started. One, it wasn't my duty day; it was Scott Adlon's, and Scott had been to the big water, right? He'd been out there on a, on a massive case. Scott and I were in the pool that morning working out. It's like, you know, you, you know, we used to work out from, you know, two, for two hours in the morning. Uh -huh. I don't know what the kids do. They probably, they probably work out for six hours now. But, <laughs> but we just had two hours. Well, for me, it was two. <laughs> yeah. You know, two hours. And so we're in a pool. It's just Scott and I. And Scott looks over at me. It's like eight in the morning. And Scott looks over and says, man, what would you do with a baby? 
because we were doing cross, we were doing buddy toes on each other. And he's like, what would you do with a baby? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, just hold, hold it up, you know? And we were like, <laughs> so we took, you take the brick and hold it above the water? We took the brick yeah. and held it up. It was like, that was, but it's that was like, what would you do with, like, what's the, what's the, because the program's still pretty new. You know, it's this it, program has been, it, program's 10 years old at that, at that point. point. Yeah. 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 10, 11 years old at that point. And uh, no, 10. Yeah. And, um, what you doing? Wait a minute. Hold on. 1994. It was actually, oh yeah. 10 yeah. years old at that point, yeah, because it actually right. first class was in 1985. So, right. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so, you know, what would you do with a, with a baby? And, you know, the rescue swimmer manual at the time was just, they just, it was a carbon copy of the Navy manual. They right. Put Coast Guard on it and slapped it over there. And, um, <laughs> and so they're, you know, and, and that was, you know, that was a combat rescue swimmer school and that was a, they're going to pick up pilots. Yep. And so anyway, so what would you do with the baby? I'm like, I don't know. And we talked about it. Maybe you put it in a raft. We could put it in the raft and drag it. You know, we always not a bad idea. Talking. And then anyway, two hours later, the SAR alarm goes off and there's a four month old baby with his family, 400 off. And Scott looks at me and says, you want it? No way. It was, it was his duty day. And, you know, I'm like the new kid in the shop. I've only been a swimmer for like six months. He goes, you want it? And I went, yeah <laughs> back when we're, wearing, we're wearing mac tents i'm like he's sure he's like no i've been there you you can do it wow you know, he had been to like 25 footers and he was like not into it he's like eh, no, go ahead i don't know he just wanted to do me a solid but he said that was i looked over at scott he's like you want it and next thing i know i'm i'm getting in the helicopter dudes all right so shout out to scott man right because I've watched guys like want to want to battle for a SAR case. SAR alarm goes off. Oh, yeah. like, Damn, I'm not on duty. This is yours. And, you know, they go out, they come back, you high five. And, oh, tell me all about it. The fact yeah. that Scott just said, do you want it? You want it? You want it? That's pretty cool. That's it, unheard of. It's you know. it totally unheard yeah, of. Yeah. I've seen guys take over cases because they outrank guys. Yeah. Yep. You know, people. Spend that has never fun. happened in my shop, but yeah. I've heard, I, I know guys that have done it and it's, you know, yeah, absurd. Anyway. anyway, my favorite is when they turn into nothing. That's my <laughs> they steal the case and it turns into a seven-hour search for a flare sighting. Oh. Hey, right. Anyway. Anyway, anyway. So anyway, so that was so we got of course it was 400 off. So they're hanging an extra fuel tank. They're they're hanging that extra tank on the 60, and um, there's a little more mission planning going on. And we flew out to the USS America. But it was a daylight case. We we flew out to the USS America to land, and and Dan Moulton, who ended up being the guy with the most hours ever in a sixty, Dan was a, a lieutenant junior grade, I think, at the time. But he had he was an ex Navy guy, or he's a lieutenant, and he was a Navy guy, and he he uh, he had his carrier qual, or he had at least done it. No, so he wasn't. He wasn't debt qualified currently, but he had done it. And so like, okay, well, you'll land on the carrier, which, you know, so he goes out and lands on the carrier and we refuel. And then we, which gives us enough legs to get to it and then get back to the carrier for gas. So that became Holy our fleet. cow. All right. So question, how did the carrier get in involved? Did, was it uh, somebody at Coast Guard or is it just somebody knew that the carrier oh, sure. was out there? I'm sure the, the rescue and coordination center worked it out. Like we got to get a helicopter out to this guy and. Uh, he's 400 off and there's, you know, it's in the weather was crap. Yeah. And 
So, we, you know, we need, you know, and they vectored, and the America started steaming towards the boat so to close the distance or to us. I don't remember which way, but they, they, they got themselves in the best fueling position they could in the time they had to steam that way. Oh, wow. That well done on the coordination center then. Nice. Right. Okay. And so, so we land to get gas. They fuel us up again and, and off we go. And we had about a 30 minute on, it was still far. We had like a 30 minute on scene because the weather was, you know, we were into the wind and yeah. on the way out, I think it was, or at least coming off the nose a bit. And so, um, and the other interesting thing about that case is Norm Scaria, Captain Norm was the CEO of the air station at the time. And he had just spent like the last year fighting for this idea of putting a camera on the hoist. No and that was the six, and that was the six zero three four. That when that was the first helicopter rescue ever captured on a hoist cam by the Coast Guard. It was the only helicopter in the Coast Guard with a hoist cam on it. Wow, kind and of it was like brilliant in one aspect of it. Right, it was a lipstick cam mounted, pointing straight down the cable, and it had like a Pelican case with a high yeah. eight tape. Quarter in it. Dude, I totally remember that because you had to plug it all in. It's you, you know, plug it all in and match it, strap it to the floor, and you know, yeah. or or stick it in the back compartment, or you're know, like, oh right. god, you think so it was that, a pain in the neck to carry around. <laughs> so it was that thing. So there's video of the whole thing, including several screw ups on my part. So it's really good. It's, it's a good <laughs> training. I, I like to call I those. I really think they learned. still watch it because it's good training for some CRM and for some, you know, the flight makes making up. Calls, it's great. It's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Back emergency back. Like he like, <laughs> not just back, emergency back. It was great. Oh. Uh, it was Bobby Blackwell. Anyway, so we fly out and the case is the case is the case. It's um uh it was it was uh and you know we didn't one of the things we didn't know that we should have known is I think helicopter rescue people should know a lot more about boats than they do. Right. Because okay. we had these plans. We made these plans in our head that I was there and put me in the water. And I was going to swim up to the boat. And I took the one man raft and I was going to put the baby in the raft. Just so like you talked about. Hey. Put the baby in the raft and 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 then I'll swim back. And I'll and I'll come up with the baby in the basket. Get the baby first. Yeah. Good and plan. Good plan. Except for it wasn't. So because <laughs> Now, if we, if I know what I know about boats now, I said that boat's underway. Like, there's no way they're taking the sea in that direction without they're under power and underway. And so, I'm never going to catch it. Yeah, but you and don't so, know that at the time. I don't know it at the time because I don't know we're we were idiots and didn't decide to. In the four or five hours it took to get there, we didn't think to talk to the guy. I don't know what happened that he's under or it just didn't make it to the air crew that this boat's under power. And so, okay. All right. And, and so I'm trying to catch the boat. I can't catch it. One of the things slowing me down is I'm dragging this raft. Yeah. I lose the raft. Oh, so now geez. the one man raft is gone and I'm just sprinting for a boat. That's about a half knot faster than I am anyway. And I can't see it unless it's at the top of the wave and I'm at the top of the other one, you know, you know, it's, yeah. it was a, you know, the seas were such that I couldn't always see it. And so I finally, I'm gassed. Now I'm just gassed. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm just offshore swimming. I'm going for a swim. This is stupid. And I turn around and look at the helicopter and the basket or the, the straps coming down. And 
they, I, you know, put the strop around. And this is when the strop was better than the harness because the harness was that old HBU 11. It was just a chest harness. It was just yeah. a piece of webbing wrapped around your rib cage with a V-ring on it. So that was before my time. So for all the listeners yeah. out there, the Coast Guard made some amazing changes um, with the harness and, and gear that we went down to. So the, uh, the SAR-1 and then whatever the HBU-1 that you had, HBU and then 11. the HBU-11, and then they go to the TRISAR, which was a, a beautiful harness. I really enjoyed that. And then they upgraded it and really just made a, a, some perfect modifications to now the the triton which is one of my favorite like as a rescue specialist rescue swimmer harness out on the market yeah. i absolutely love it anyway um i like it too um the uh but and that that harness was basically actually it was absolutely no different than the first device ever used to hoist anybody ever it was just a piece. If you look at the first helicopter rescue, it was off New York. Yeah. Off, it was a piece of webbing wrapped around the guy's ribs. It was yeah. the same idea. It's a piece of webbing wrapped around your ribs. And so we liked the strap better because it was a little softer. Yeah, had a little more cushion. A lot, and as a lot of people know that as the horse collar, because a lot of people right. would do that, and the harbor pilots would yeah. get transferred with the horse collar. Horse so collar. this is yes. just a, yeah, Big, a make of it. So, <laughs> so I put that thing around me, but you know. This was before advanced rescue summer school. And if you hadn't hoisted in big water, you didn't know what you were doing. You were learning as you went. And Bobby <laughs> runs the cable up as the wave comes up and then the wave drops out. And I'm probably, I dropped like probably 10 feet. Like the wave dropped out and I fall with the wave about 10 feet and then get to the end of the cable. And that's when you find out the helicopter doesn't give. Yeah, I know. Just a shock. It was just bam. And, it, oh. and my back never cracked. Ever. I've never cracked my back. Every vertebrae went just crack. <laughs> oh, and I took the wind out of me. Oh. And, it, and, I, and I'm and now I'm swinging and I swang uh, so far to the other side of the helicopter. The only, and the only thing that stopped me was the next wave. And when I hit the it, it wasn't an advancing way. I was I was hitting the trailing edge of, an, of, of the wave that had already passed me. And boom, I get into that one. Holy cow. And, and so then I get out and I come back up and I'm like, this is not the job I thought it was. Like I'm coming up to, and Bobby's running me up and I'm like, oh, you rotten son of a, uh. and you know, it's been like 10 minutes at this point. We haven't made any progress at all. We just turn fuel in the noise for 10 minutes and I come back up and, and that's in, and you can even hear on the recording, you know, um, Bobby asked me if I'm okay. And I just go, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm pissed, but I'm, I'm fine. And I and I go back out the uh, go back out the door, and that's when we find out how good a pilot Dave Gunderson is, because the winds were like seventy knots at this point. Like, holy cow! And he can't yeah. get the helicopter, so he's got to be back from the mast because we're coming pretty close to the mast, trying to get me close to the boat. And Dave Gunderson, you can see it on the video. He turns the aircraft tail to the wind. I swear it. It's on the video. Holy cow! He goes, and he says, "Hold on, I'm going to try something." <laughs> <laughs> and he just he just pedals it over and comes in so he can i don't know see better and got me to, to the side side of the vessel and and i they had thrown a line off the back and i swam out of this line and grabbed this line another stupid move so i grabbed the line and you know wetsuit gloves and it's a wet poly pro line so i wrapped it up in my hand oh 
And then the boat's underway. <laughs> and now it's just my hands just crushed up in this line. I'm not holding it. It's holding me now. And I'm yeah. getting drugged behind the boat going, I just, I'm just killed everybody because I'm never going to get out of this thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so I just pulled myself forward so I could grab the line with my other hand to get the tension off. You know, my right hand's under tension on this line. Yeah. And so I did a curl, pulled myself forward till I grabbed the line again to get that off and then let go. And then I was just close enough to the boat and I just look up and now the mother and the baby are on the back of the boat Yeah. and they're tied together. Well, I'm not getting the baby. They're tied together. They got a, they got a line between them. Like he had tied them together. They're both coming off together and I'm waving for them to come off and they're not coming off. And then this wave came and then they were off and then they were right there. Like no swimming in balls. They, they washed off and now we're together. Like, hi. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So I got mom by her life jacket and I get this baby by its life jacket, by the front of the life jacket. And, and the mother kept wanting the baby closer to her. You know, I, she was, didn't want to, I, I don't know. There was, she didn't speak English. There was, it was, uh, it was a little tense, but I needed, I didn't like the amount of freeboard the baby had. Yeah. So I just, put my arms straight up in the air and had the baby completely out of the water. Mom's freaking out. I'm scared out of my skull. And I look up at the baby and the baby's like, what's up, dude? I totally chill. Absolutely. Stay <laughs> at the beach. Doesn't just looking around. Waves are nice. You know, the baby what? was just, just the picture of chill. Like nothing's going on. Mom's freaking out. I'm tensed up. Baby's chill. I'm like, well, if he can be chill, I can be chill. So, I'm, and we go back and then now, how do you, I can't signal. There's no yeah. signal. Right. I can't do any, my hands are full. No yeah. I just look up and like nod my head, like, oh, you want to do? And the basket, <laughs> the basket was already coming down. Then the basket comes down and he, and uh, I hadn't had a basket placed that softly and perfectly next to me in the river on a Sunday training flight with no wind. Like it was just right there. Wow. And I didn't have to swim an inch. I just shoved mom in and then got the baby in. But the, the nervousness of that second is because last time I was on the cable, I had got yanked out. Right. Or right. the wake up. And, and that happened while the baby was out and the mother was in. All I could think of this baby dangling from the Oh my god. There's a line between the mother and baby. I had to get the mother in first and then put the baby in. Yeah. So it was a, it was 10 seconds, but it was the longest 10 seconds of my life. Like, don't drop out now, don't drop now, don't, don't, not now, not now, now. Yeah. Until <laughs> the baby got in the basket. So I get the baby in the basket and then they did take a yank. Like if it like the baby gets into the mother's arms and then the basket does do a little, it's on the videos, like this little launch, like pop, it pops out. I'm like, oh, I think. <laughs> And so I back up and then the guys in the, uh, the Dave Gunnarsson's, you know, everyone's like, you can hear on the ICS, they're super relieved. And this yeah. is back before I couldn't hear them at all. Like, right. No You're in the water. So, and, and that's something else that a lot of people don't know is that when we're in the water as swimmers, we are not connected to the in the communication system of the helicopters. We have no idea what they're saying. The only thing we have is a handheld radio, which at that point is buried in, underwater. Yeah. Yeah. The gear exists, you can do it, but it's pricey. Yeah. Like, yeah. like there's like that access yeah. carrier. It's like you're talking that you can be two miles away and be on the ICS, you know, yep. beautiful. It didn't exist back then. We had a PRC 90 radio <laughs> on 2182 and it was just, 
Yeah. So cool. Three and, channels. And, uh, click, click, click. That's right. <laughs> I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you again. I'm screwed. And then. <laughs> uh, and then I had some time and I'm, I'm kicking around and then uh, they send the strop down again and pick me up. Now the, now the boat's gone at this point because there's all the activity when we're in the water, the boat's still doing like, I don't know, two and a half or three, I don't know. It was, it was making way away from us. Yeah. And so there's a, I don't know, it's about, by the time they pick me up, there's about a mile between us and the boat. Holy cow. So they, right. So they pick me up in the, and then we're not talking to each other and I'm, I'm 200 plus pounds. And I'm hanging from the strop and to save time, because they're getting worried about time, Mr. Gunderson decides to hover taxi me over there. So he's just going to hold you just above the wave crest and he's going to hover taxi me over there, but I'm holding on to the strop and you can't oh. like strops literally like there's a, there's some research data that there was, they've actually, you can die in it. Yeah. Like, if you get left in the strop for too long, it'll get you dead. And I know that it'll make Jeff Danner would pass out, right? <laughs> Jeff would see stars and pass out. So I'm holding on. You got to keep your arms down. And uh, and I'm holding on. I'm like, that's taking forever. I'm looking up. I'm like, what? I thought I was coming up. I didn't know that they were hover taxi until I realized, oh, God, they're taxiing me over. You know, to save that minute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we. Oh, man. And now I. And so now they put me next to the boat and I get out, but my arms won't. I can't swim. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Mario. His arms are just flopping. kicking. And you hear Gunderson on the ICS in the video, swim, Mario. He's yelling at me because I'm not swimming fast enough. I'm like, it's your fault, man. So I get, I get back to the line and then, and then the, then the 13 year old girl and she runs, uh, she ran and jumped. She jumped. I didn't think she was going to come, and she just did a sprinting run. I don't know how you do that on the back of a sailboat, but she took a couple of steps and launched off the boat. Wow. And uh, got hurt, and she went up in the basket, and she had a pretty good ride, and then um, and then uh, went back, and the same thing, uh, except for they, they sent the basket down to get me the next time. Well, that was nice. I barely fit it, but I get in the basket. <laughs> Fins are all hanging yeah, out. Yeah, right. <laughs> two, two person basket. Who said? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. No, it is not. I barely fit it. But we take this swing. I take this swing off the top of the wave, and I swing, and I swing so far to the other side of the aircraft. I'm looking back in at my seat. Oh my god! I'm looking. I'm looking like. That's my window. Like I'm on the wrong side of the helicopter. <laughs> back over. And finally, we finally get up, and then and then we go back over again. Another another uh, cabled uh, hoist deployment down, and Dad comes off. Uh, Dad would. And the problem with the boat is the father hadn't slept for like 48 hours. Holy uh, cow! Because that was his problem. The boat was fine. I think that I think he could have made it if he could have stayed awake, but his sailing partner was his wife and all she could do was hold the baby at that point because the sea state was such. So he wow. jumps off. He's a little fatigued. He didn't zip his life jacket and his life jacket was coming off. And so we get him sorted out, get him in the basket and, uh, and we were out of there. So we were on scene for about half an hour. I think the entire rescue, there was 15 minutes of mistake and 15 minutes of actually doing something. Uh, 
No one was in the water for more than 60 seconds as far as the victims. Like none That's, of them. That is impressive, sir. Like Good job. Was, like there was, there was the flight mech. I was, you know, that, and the pilot. So there was, it was, it was like textbook. But the first thing we did was screw everything up, right? Yeah. You know, and I always had this thing that if you, if you want to know what you're going to do in a rescue, or if you want to know what's not going to happen, talk about it on the way out. Because whatever <laughs> you talk about will not happen. Right. Because <laughs> there's an unaccounted for variable, like the boat's moving or they're tied together, or, you know, yeah. all these things you don't know about. And um, oddly enough, like, so, you, you know, all the things you have to train, all you have to do to get trained to, to do the job. And, you're, you know, you're doing drills and you're doing drills at a school. Like how many times have you come to the door, checked your gear and given a thumbs up before you actually get it to stand duty? Like it's gotta be hundreds, right? Yeah. Probably you, you're six months, you know, when you're at the air station, it's gotta be at least a hundred. At least. You've done that a lot. Yeah. You've done that a lot. And then six months as a swimmer, you've done it a lot more. Mm -hmm. All right. But we're so jacked up and nervous and I'm so jacked up and nervous that <laughs> I'm getting my gear on and Bobby looks at me and I give him a thumbs up and he does this and calls me to the door. So I scoot over to the door. Yeah. And I sit in the door. I'm like, okay, let's go. And then he looks down. I don't have any fins on. <laughs> I didn't finish. I didn't. He looked at me and interrupted my chain. That's called in, in, in Reason's book of human error. That's called an omission followed by an interruption or following an interruption. He looked at me and I interrupted my thing. And then I forgot where I was in the world. And he calls me over. So I went, okay. And I come over without my fins. That's, that's like, you know, it's like going to a knife fight without a knife, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And so, so now I'm nervous and at myself because I'm in a backup. Of course, it's all on camera. So that's the first thing I play when I, when I use that video as I play the mistakes here. But we took us 15 minutes to figure out what we were doing and then 15 minutes to finally pull it off. You know, and then we flew back, got more gas on the America and took them home. Dude. Fun, fun day. That is awesome. What a great story, man. I, you know, and, and actually uh, there's a lot of lessons that got learned out of that case that, you know, got, that were sent down to, to my group, you know, um, I mean, I'm, so you're rescue swimmer number 368. I'm rescue swimmer 500. So there's a lot of people between you and me and a lot of cases that happened between you and me. And those are things that were talked about within a school within guys of my first unit guys of my second unit and then i start learning stuff and you know it's yeah. it's it yeah. is awesome to hear and but it keeps going it keeps yeah. going i see the things the guys do now not and not just uh not just of course the coast guard i'm absolutely this job at lsc is done I've, i see everything in the world like i get to see everybody's stuff that is awesome like yeah talk to different rescue organizations all the time. And some of the things they're doing are just awesome. Some of them are absolutely crazy, um, <laughs> legitimately bad ideas, but you know, it, it's all mixed in together. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, um, and uh, in a lot of ways, um, everyone's learning, but everyone there's, it's such a complex and diverse operation. When you helicopter rescue, is not the same thing as offshore helicopter rescue. That's not the same thing as mountain rescue at all. Correct. Not even a little bit. 
Not even close. Nope. Uh, I LSC makes a lot of care. I don't make anything for Air Zermatt. Like, wow. like that's a different kind of rescue deal. Like that's yeah. a, that, I don't anything for you, man. That's a whole different level of you know, yeah. unbelievable. Though they don't even talk to yeah. each other. Like it's just it's amazing. The aircraft stripped down to nothing, no gear, a couple of harnesses. And well, their altitude, and, the, what they got to fly in. I mean, right, they're up there. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I don't know anything about that. And so I'm learning stuff every day. And then I remember these guys called me up from uh, North Carolina and they, they wanted black. They, they wanted the, it was really important that they had black vests on their trisars. And I didn't really? have a black. They wanted, had to have black. Same thing. I'm like, why do you want black? I know the Navy has black because I don't know. They're the Navy. I call that water camo. They were yeah, green and yeah. black. <laughs> trying to hide. And, um, and, uh, but I remember asking, like, what do you want black? And the guy took pity on me because I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about. And he's like, well, Mario, we do mostly flood rescue and, and the flood waters are orange and the black shows up better. Oh. I'm like, holy. The, the, right. Well, that makes total sense. <laughs> it makes total sense. And it went from being really stupid, like, why are they doing that? To, oh, my God, that makes total sense. Like, I'm in Wow. A, yeah, you, actually, I, I would not have even thought of that either. And, the, and he's right. The That red dirt makes such an orange muck. Right. Yeah. And so the, the black shows up a whole lot better in the water than the orange, you know, best. So why would I do that? Wow. Like, that makes sense. The other ones we... Um, the Canadians, we have to powder coat their litters bright orange. Okay. Right? So they buy the same litters, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I got to take them to powder coat them orange. And now they're like, why are they going to, and, and the guys complain, because it's a hassle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like making stuff, but basically we're pretty lazy. And so, <laughs> so he, oh, why do you do this? It's like, well, you know, it takes time and it's gear's got to go out. And we got to, and I'm like, why is this? And I go, well, it's Canada. I'm like, yeah. And I go, they drop these things out of C-130s on parachutes into the snow and the rescueman has to go find them. If they're, silver, stands up. If, if they're silver, it gets harder to find them. What? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> so simple. <laughs> okay, you know what? Everyone probably has an idea what they're doing. You know, but you, yeah. you just have to get exposed to it all. And and every day I'm, I'm you know, every day I'm learning stuff. And um, and when I say that there's some stuff that's just crazy out there, there are some things that I'm 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 seeing happen. Like I get I got asked to make the litter, make the feet float on the litter. Really? Because yeah, because it's harder to strap them up because the stuff's underwater. The leg straps are underwater. For in water spinal, it would be a lot better if the thing floated. And I go, no. And yeah. they went, well, we tried it in the pool. It works fine. I go, in the pool? <laughs> yeah. Go drop that in 20-foot swells and let me know it works okay. Right. It's like, no, you're going you're gonna to kill somebody. That We're trying to get their head up out of the water for freeboard. You're going to give them like a half inch of freeboard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. so, you know it, what? That's, that's the agency that, that hasn't learned yet. And you learn by yeah, trial and error. And Right. I mean, the Coast Guard and, and myself included with everything that I've done. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years and there are things that I have learned on my own. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's not do that again. Um, yeah. And I can tell you one specifically that I think about. And that is that I we were hoisting a lady uh, who had an ID in 
And on the way up, the IV fell out and wrapped around the tagline or on the, around the trail line. Oh. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Now as the helicopter's creeping forward and I'm coming to the end of the tagline, I'm like, uh, I, I have to let this go. Like I, I'm going to rip the, the whole IV out, you know, like, uh, 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 guys, uh, you know, right. So things you learn quickly. It gets, gets complex. Yeah. Very it's, much it's, so. It's a complex operation. I think, you know, from, from my position now, I'm just, um, it's funny things like the way we all see what everyone's doing on social media now is, is, is changing the landscape a little bit. It's good and it's good and it's, and it's bad. And you see someone doing something and you think, I want to do that. That wouldn't that be a great idea if, and you don't realize, well, that's a totally different environment or a different aircraft. Right. Um, you start to learn how, how some guys do some things based on, um, like I'm personally, I have no experience with doubling up, right? Okay. Riding the up, and, and and a lot of that's born from the you don't leave your patient. Yep. Or that, or that it saves time. And um, I watched I watched a, a training program down in Texas, and there was one unit that the rescuer rode the rescue. There was three people in the water, and the rescuer rode the basket down, left the basket, put the person in, and they went up. And then anyway, it saved like two hoists over doing it the Coast Guard way. Yeah. And it took three minutes longer. Oh, geez. Because getting them in the door at the top took so much longer because now there's two of them and it right. just took more time. And so it, it was a longer, so it's meant to save time, but it doesn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. plus the Coast Guard's really, really good at that thing. And then, you know, the yeah. amount of time, like say a, a firefighter on a heart team gets to hoist versus that Coast Guard team, which is like every day. Correct. You know, it's different. And so you get some efficiency there, but um, uh, I'll never be invited back to some conferences because, you know, I say things like you guys don't get enough training time. There's just no way. Yeah. That's a, that gets into a touchy subject too. I actually, I was yeah. talking to a, they want to do the job. I'm like, you yeah. can't hoist twice a year and be current. You just can't. Right. No. No, no, no. And actually, there was the the comment that was made with that with, in training time is there's currency and proficiency. And right. in order to be proficient, you have to be more than current. Right. And so. you can't and you can't just and and it doesn't matter um, how well you recall the procedures. It matters how well you recall the procedures when things are scary, bad, and, and it's dark at night. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then there's an and emergency, it, like either the aircraft, yeah. the hoist, you know, like, you know, there's, right. there's, yeah. Gosh. And I had, the, I, had the, I had these engineers that we had these engineers at a, uh, LSC and they were, we were trying to design a new piece of gear and, and they come up with this idea and they go, look, boss, this is great. And I went, it's crap. And they're like, what? It works. And they showed me and it did. It worked. It did everything you needed it to do. Okay. And I said, it's my fault. I didn't give you all the requirements. And they go, that's perfect for hoisting up and down and it'll do what I want it to do. Now I needed to do what I wanted to do, but I need you to tie it to the end of a six foot rope and take it out and beat it on the ground in the parking lot. Swinging <laughs> it eight or 10 times. Cause that's what happens on a case. Cause that's what happens. Helicopter rescue is not up and down. It's up and down and sideways and banging into the mountain yeah. up off the trees and then the bottom of the aircraft. And that's, that's that's real rescue 
Right. And they do that. And so you get these procedures worked out in the hangar deck and there's seven carabiners hanging off the thing. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> that's, that works great when yeah. everything's perfect, but you got to design, you got to find a balance. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I told a joke at the hoist users conference. I'm like, you know, I don't know, years ago, some mountain rescue guys climbed into a helicopter, their carabiners spilled out and we can't get them out of the aircraft now. They're just, they're <laughs> We just keep finding more carabiners. <laughs> like, what? And I, I, I don't, and I, I, they have their place for sure. And there's a way to use them for sure. I just, you know, if I'm on a mission and it's in this Aussie book I'm writing, there's no such thing as a locking carabiner. So you're, you're they're right. They're really close. Yeah. They're really close. The tri-locking is as close as you can possibly get. Anything else? I, I don't. I don't even bring on the aircraft. Close as you can get, and I can and I can make it open with a single strike. It's, yep. You know, you can. It can do it. Yeah. And, and and it's not so. It doesn't mean you don't use it. It means you have to realize. Okay, I have to watch out for that. Right. That's not a sure thing. Yeah. Now, we thought the D lock was a sure thing until it wasn't. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I saw that video, and I, I was actually pretty impressed with the fact. I was like, you know, like wow, that you actually dynamically roll out of a dual action hoist hook that, that, you know, to open yeah. it. Like, Woo. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. And you gotta, you know, you've gotta have just the right, and that's why, you know, in the, you've, you've got a ring geometry is always going to matter. I mean, you know, yeah. someday somebody might met the right ring that'll hit the subdued buttons on the deal. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no, problem. You, you have to check all your gear and, and the way that the coast guard stay safe is there's only three things or four things that are allowed to be put in the hook. Right. That's, that's it yeah keep it simple that's it you know um, now that, i, I that will change. say like i do like doing double ups um you know double yeah. up with with either the litter or um or just a quick drop a rescue drop or the abed or uh, right. uh the screamer suit the bowman screamer suit i really like that but you have to train on that so that when you get to the aircraft now you have two guys working together to get inside the aircraft because right. Like you said, if now you're trying to, it takes more time to get, you know, twice the people in. Well, then you're not training enough on the ground. Forget airtime. Just move right. in and out of the aircraft. I can't emphasize it yeah. enough. So yeah, a lot, right? So that's so it's it's one of those things where if you add that capability, you add that training requirement. Do you have the time for it? Right. Right. You can't just. I got this new idea. That's great. Do you have the 17 hours a quarter to train? Correct or whatever it is, you know? And so it's, um, what I, what I've learned the most over my career is, uh, that I don't know anything. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I might disagree with you on that one, sir. No, I know. I know. I know a lot, but I still don't know anything. I, 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 I've, I've, I've learned a great deal. Uh, I'm continuing to learn, but you know, Sam, my boss, Sam Manis learns. He's like, what are they? Oh my, that's amazing. Like that, you know, yeah. And that stuff happens. It, it still happens. And so, um, and so I, th I think as long as the community stays open yeah. to, to discussion and ideas, you know, we're, we're going to be all right. But um, uh, I, I think what I, what I see the most and I, I get this, Hey, we're going to, we want to start a, we want to start a rescue program. What do we need? And I go, yeah, you doing more than calling me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, and, and they want a program because they got a helicopter and it's got a hoist on it. I'm like, you've got 5% of your program worked out. The helicopter and the hoist is about 5%. Yeah. And that's, that's the easy part. 
Now go find the rest of the money and the time and the, yeah. you know, do you have hours to fly that thing? Like right. many, many hours to fly that thing. Do you have training money? Do you have gear money? Do you have, yeah. you know, it's so much more than, than, than just a hoist. And uh, so it's um, for my part now, I mean, the fun part of my job now is um, I, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm in a business now and there's customers and this idea that the customer's always right. Absolutely, almost not really, no. <laughs> uh, like you maybe. Know, that is such a, it is such a good point because they don't know what they don't know. Like you, don't you, know, don't, don't know. Yeah, you don't know what you're yeah. getting into until you're getting into it. And then let me teach you what you're getting into before you go and hurt yourself or kill somebody. It's and I think that's a real value add that, that, you know, old guys can have is like, okay, well, here's what you got to watch out for with that. And, and, and so we get asked for modifications to cure it. I'm just like, I, I can't do that. Right. Cause it's, it's not, it, uh, it, it, it might it'll work great. It might work great for you, but, but on a long enough timeline, someone will get hurt with that. And I, and I can't make that. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, and that's the Sam Manus. Sam Sam's thing is when I first got there, I don't know if I wanted to stay. Like it's a family business. I don't know these people. And you know, it's a it's 35 people in the in the company. Um and and I don't I, you know, I don't we'll see how it goes. And I was there on a contract the first year, and three weeks in, I'm talking to Sam and he had found out the new way to manufacture the trisar. He's like, oh, if I do this and I put the stitching here, then it's a continuous loop all the way through there and and that'll be better and they won't. So, and, and he, he's making this change. And I'm like, Sam, you sell like 1500 of those a year. Like nothing wrong with like, you know, why change it? He goes, cause it's better. Totally imperceptible to the customer. The customer will not see that. They won't know it was changed, but it's better. And he's like, and he stopped. He looked at me, he's like, the guys out there doing the job deserve the best possible gear we can make. And if we can't make it for them, they should get it somewhere else. Wow. And I'm like, you're my man forever. Like, wow. You know, and the number of times people call up asking for gear, I'm like, you don't want that. You want a chameleon. Like I'll send them to, the, I'd send guys to Butch when he was in Ariel. I'm like, that's yeah. what you want. I, I don't have that. You want that. Yeah. Or these guys, ARS makes a great screamer. You should go get that. That thing's a nice piece of gear, man. Yeah. You know, I don't pick one of those and, and, uh, but that's what you need. You don't need this, you know? And so, um, uh, it's been a great place to work for that, but just talking, learning everything about all the stuff I didn't know about helicopter rescue, just amazing. Yeah. It is Get pretty impressive. Yeah, totally. I hear them. <laughs> it's the afternoon. The seagulls are doing their thing. Chow time. Yeah. It's rough living on the beach there, Mario. Just, you know. It's, like... uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mario, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. Um, I know we only actually got to talk about one of your rescues. Well, one and a half because there was the boat with the whole yeah. feeling for dead people that weren't in there. <laughs> So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the choice right now. We can end this right now, or you can leave us with one of uh, just one more story of something that you've done. All right. I'll talk about comms. I'm going to tell this is why I learned about communication. Okay. Um, communication. I was in air station, New Orleans, 
And this boat went down, a, a shrimper with just two guys on it. And they picked up the captain almost immediately, like within like, you know, an hour or so, they found the captain. The boat sank. They find the captain. And the EPIRB left the boat. And so they've been doing search. We've been, we were doing search patterns on this, but on this, uh, now it's a PIW for days. And we're following this PIW, EPIRB. person in the water. Person in the water. So we're following the, we're following the EPIRB signal, which is uh, the, the beacons going up into the bayou. And so the search patterns are following that. And I, I, this will smack. I can't remember this guy's name. This pilot was awesome. But he said, Duty Pond, he goes, and he told it was like the last, this is the last time we're, this is, if we don't find another calling the search. Like it was the last search for the guy. And he goes, I'm going to do your search pattern, but first I'm going to go do mine. And he, he goes, the boat sank here. We picked up the captain in a line here. I'm going to flop, follow that line and see if this guy, because offshore New Orleans, there's all sorts of wellheads and gauges and pipes coming up out of the water. You know, you'd be offshore at night. You think you're over land. There's so much stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, so we go to the boat. We fly this track line between this guy and where the captain was picked up. And there's a guy standing on one of these, like a pipe comes up out of the water. There's a six foot by three foot platform with a valve on it and goes back down the water. He's on top of that thing, waving his t-shirt, sunburnt to beat. He's been out there for four days or something. Oh my gosh. Just fried. And he's waving his t-shirt, got to be dehydrated, you know, beyond measure. And he's looking, he's rough. And all right, Mario, we're going to put you in, but it was real. There's a lot of current ripping through there like with this, you know, and we'll put you down and then onto the platform. And then, you know, just take the strop with you. And I go, I'll jump off. And the current will sweep us out because the, the, there's all sorts of stuff to get snagged on on this platform. We don't want to put a basket down there. Okay. So I get on the platform. I'm going to jump this guy back in the water, put him in the basket. And I get down and I put this, I'm like, hey, buddy. And he's like crying, but no tears because he's dehydrated. Uh-huh. I've been watching you guys search for me for days, you know. <laughs> I could, I could see the helicopter. Just couldn't get noticed, right? He was. He hung onto a five-gallon, half-empty can of paint thinner for like a, the first night. And then he bumped into this platform and climbed up on it. Wow. Yeah. And he would get in the water to stay cool and climb back out. It's crazy. Anyway, so he's salted up and he's just a mess. And so I, I put the strop around him. I could tell that it hurt, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, we jump in the water and I swim over and the flight mech points at me, like points right at me. And that's not a signal, right? I'm like, I know, come up on the radio. I know, but what's pointing? He points at me. So I point back at him. I'm like, hey, and I give him the I'm all right. And then the basket's coming out the door and it's coming down just like we planned. And I'm, and I'm giving a thumbs up in the basket and, the, and he points at me. And I'm like, hey, I'm okay. Guy gets in the bat, put the guy in the basket. He picks him up and I'm looking back. I'm kicking back, kicking back to two o'clock. Like I'm looking at the helicopter like I was trained to do. Yep. And he's pointing at me, like right at my head. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> I'm right. And and then you know the boom on the 65 and he booms the guy in and he as soon as the guy gets to the door he drops him in there and he just grabs the guy and like rips him out of the basket. Like I swear I could hear the guy yelling over the over the engines like screaming. Oh. It was just this rude toss yeah. of the guy yeah. in the helicopter. And I'm like, that was pretty mean. You know, I know exactly where you're going with this. This is right. awesome. <laughs> so he, he, he kicks it back out. 
he pointed, and he, the basket's coming down, and he's pointing at me, and I'm all right, and I get in the basket, and I come back up, and then it's my turn to get boomed in, and he grabs me, dude, did you see the size of that shark? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm like, give me the chomper sign of the fins. Yeah, yeah, fin, fin on the head. Fin on the head. On the head. Come on. Don't point at me. I don't know what the hell you're saying. Back in the hoisting area, it gets bigger every time I tell the story, but it's like a six-foot oh. dark, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hoisting area. Just, you know, just hanging out. He's right yeah. on your ass, man. I'm like, come on. Give me a sign. We got to get better at talking to each other. Oh, my God. I'm glad, he, awesome. I'm glad there wasn't a signal because I wouldn't. What I going to do about it? Getting, yeah, you, know, yeah. you would have clipped into the basket. You'd have been hanging up below the basket. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, that's yeah. awesome. That was a fun one. Wow, yeah. Mario, I cannot thank oh. you enough for coming on. I I'm so grateful. So thank you. All right, man. It's been it, a good time. Yeah, it's a pleasure to see you, and. uh and next time we'll we'll do this again sometime for sure because I, I had a blast. All right. All right. And with Stay that, ladies, it, you got it. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and like my daughters like to tell me, like and subscribe. Oh yeah. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go. If anyone out there has a rescue story that they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about any of the rescues or anything else that we talk about here on this podcast, send me an email, therealrescue at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook and Instagram page at The Real Rescue. That's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. I also want to give a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember that when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>